Good morning. Welcome. Happy New Year to those of you who are here physically with us in the house, as well as to those who are perhaps joining us uh, online on the live stream this morning. Hope you all had an awesome Christmas. Good start to the new year. I hope that you're excited about the new year. As, as Rodney said before, I think a lot of people were just like, man, after the last two years, I ain't even getting my hopes up, you know, for 2022. But I, I hope that's not the case for us collectively as a family of faith. Man, I hope that we're looking forward to 2022. I know I'm excited. I'm pumped up about the new year, uh, and I'm, I'm not excited about the new year because I feel like um, all of our problems, like as a society or globally, are just going to kind of melt away this year. In fact, I think that's probably pretty unlikely that that's going to happen. But man, I'm excited about 2022 because, listen, y'all, Jesus is still king. He's still alive. He still sits on his throne. The gates of hell are still not going to pre prevail against his church, and he has promised to come back for his people one day, and maybe 2022 will be the year that we see the second coming, the second advent of the Lord Jesus. And so we just say collectively, come quickly, uh, Lord Jesus. Maybe this will be the year. And so listen, because of all of these truths, all of these promises found in these ancient words that we believe to be God-inspired, Holy Spirit-breathed scripture, I think everybody who's a follower of Jesus ought to be excited about 2022. We all ought to just have this sense of anticipation, like, man, what is God going to do this year? I know he's up to something. Now, let me just ask you a question as we kick off a new year. How many of you, just be honest, show of hands, we're in church. How many of you made at least one New Year's resolution already? Raise your hand. Don't be ashamed. It's okay. Safe place. All right, so some, some of you did. For those of you who did, how many of you are, have already broken one of your New Year's resolutions? <laughs> it's like a, a few of you. See, that's the reason I don't make New Year's resolutions anymore. I learned a long time ago that I'm really bad at uh, holding up my end of the bargain uh, on these things. But if I did believe in making New Year's resolutions, I think one of mine this year would be that we collectively as a body of faith would become the kind of church that Jesus could point to as a model church, that we would become the kind of church that Jesus would look at and say, hey, listen, if you, if you wanna know how to be a group of people who, who, who are following me and making a difference in the world, not perfectly, you know, as they stumble and as they fall and as they stumble and as they fall, but they get up and they brush themselves off, but they're doing their best to follow me and make a difference in the world, you can look at this group of believers at New Life Community Church. Wouldn't that be awesome if Jesus could point to us and say that? Man, that, that's, that's my hope for us as we enter in the brand new year, which is one reason we decided to use or dive into uh, the book of 1 Thessalonians to kick off the year together. And so let me just say, if you have a Bible, go ahead and grab it. Uh, maybe you have a device, you have the scriptures on your device. Go ahead and head for 1 Thessalonians, okay? That's where we're gonna be hanging out the next couple months. 1 Thessalonians, and out of all the churches, that the apostle Paul planted, and he planted a bunch of them. As far as I can tell, this, this church in the city of Thessalonica, all right, in modern day Greece, is the only church that Paul pointed to as a model church for other churches to, to follow, kind of as an example. Let me show you what I mean. I'll put this on the screens. This is uh, 1 Thessalonians 1.7. Paul writes this to this brand new church in the city of Thessalonica. He says this to them. You became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. 
So he's saying, hey, listen, God, you, got, you have become a model church to all believers in two entire huge provinces in the Roman Empire. Like that's huge, right? That would, be like, that would be like Paul pointing to us at New Life Community Church and saying, hey, listen, you guys have become an example for all believers and all churches in the entire Southeast, right? From Texas all the way over to Florida, all the way up to Virginia. You guys have become an example to all the believers in this huge area. Now listen, I don't, I don't have any, I don't think I have any delusions of, of grandeur. Like I, I don't have any real desire for us to become like a famous church or a mega church. But listen guys, what, what if we became such a faithful church? Such a faithful church in how we follow Jesus and how we impact the world around us that Jesus himself could point to us as an example and be like, hey, listen, y'all need to be more like them. Y'all need to to love more like them. You need to serve more like them. You need to live more generously like them. Listen, this is what I believe God has in store for us as a church family as we jump into this brand new year together in 2022. And so that's why we're gonna be in this little letter for the next couple of months. Now, we're not gonna go deep today. My aim today is simply to give us some history some background and some context to this letter that we're gonna be going deeper in the next couple of months. In fact, today we're only gonna cover uh, one verse in the, in the entire letter. We're gonna get into the meat, uh, the content of it next week. But here's, here's what I need you to know. Thessalonica, the city, was a, was a large, thriving, bustling city right in the heart of the Roman Empire. It was actually in the province of Macedonia. In fact, it was the capital of Macedonia. Scholars believe that it had a population of about 200,000 people, which would have been a massive city back in the ancient world. It was also a very diverse city. So you had 200,000 people. It was made up of Greeks, Jews, Romans. You had all this mishmash of different belief systems and religions and ethnicities and worldviews, all kind of mixed together in this huge city called Thessalonica. Again, it was also, it was a port city, so it would have been a place of, of trade. It kind of set along a really important trade route. This is no doubt one of the most influential cities of its day in the first century. So if we're just kind of like trying to modernize this a little bit, this is maybe what we would think of as New York, New York City, maybe Los Angeles, maybe Paris, maybe Tokyo, whatever big kind of economic booming center that you think about that is really influential to the rest of the world, this is Thessalonica. Think about that when you think about this context that we're gonna be reading into. Now, in a a fascinating twist, this city actually wasn't even on Paul's radar. Like as he did his missionary journeys, Thessalonica was not on the itinerary. He hadn't even planned to go here. In fact, Paul instead had planned to go to Asia. If you read in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit prevents Paul and his his teammates from going into Asia. And then Paul actually has a plan to go into Bithynia, which is like modern day Northern Turkey. And the Holy Spirit also prevents him to go there. So Paul's like, hey man, we're we're going to Asia. The Holy Spirit's like, nope, you're not going there. He's like, okay, we'll head north to Bithynia. The Holy Spirit's like, nope, not gonna go there. And so finally, Paul and his posse kind of head south and they land in this little beach town called Troas, right? Now, I, listen, I gotta imagine at this point, Paul's a little frustrated, probably a little bit confused. Like, man, what, what's going on? 
Like, and so he's there in a beach town just waiting to hear from God. And, and I think, I guess, hanging out at the beach is probably just as good a place as any to kind of unwind when you're frustrated and, and hear from God. And, and God does speak to Paul, right? He gets a vision when he's in Troas, this beach, beach town one night. He sees this, this dude from Macedonia that's saying, hey, we need help. Come over here and help us. And Paul's always down for, for a new adventure. He's always down to travel. And so he's like, all right, boys, let's saddle up. Take off your flip-flops, put your walking boots on. Man, we're, we're going to Macedonia. We feel like God is calling us there. Now, let me just pause at that point in the narrative buildup and say that my, my guess is that that's probably where some of you are today. You're probably sitting in the Troas of your life, just like Paul was, a little bit frustrated, a little bit confused, not really sure what's going on, right? You, you thought the plan was one thing in 2021 and God shut that door and so you thought it was something else and so you headed in another direction and then that door got slammed in your face and maybe you're just like, man, what, what is going on? I'm frustrated, like God, what do you want from me? And I'm trying to listen to your voice and I'm trying to be obedient and I'm trying to follow you but it just seems like one door after another is getting slammed in my face. And if that's where you're at, like Paul and his guys certainly were, were when they were in Troas, let me, let me just say this. This is a truth, the first one I'm gonna put on the screen for you. I found this to be true in my own life. Here it is. Oftentimes, God is more interested in your transformation than your destination. Now, I don't know about you, that has been a very hard lesson for me to learn. A very hard lesson for me to learn. Because if I'm being honest, I am extremely impatient. Just as a person, as a man, I, I, I'm not patient, man. Like I, I get to a stoplight and if it's longer than eight seconds, man, I'm like, I'm calling the DOT. This is, this is absurd. You know, this is taking way too long. If I'm trying to click on a website and it takes more than like two seconds to load up, I hate charter. I'm gonna bomb their office. Like, I, what, is, what is going on, man? I'm just, I'm frustrated, right? Because I have a destination. I'm trying to get things done. I got a checklist. I wanna get it knocked out, right? I wanna get to my destination. And anything that kind of slows that process down, just it makes me frustrated. But I've had to learn, man, God is so much more concerned with the transformation of my heart than the destination I'm trying to get to. And listen, guys, so often it's only after the transformation that the destination even gets revealed. Now, I, I have no idea why God kept closing all these doors for the apostle Paul. Maybe it was to deepen his trust Maybe it was to expand his capacity for patience. But at the appropriate time, God opened the appropriate door for Paul, and I believe that he'll do the same thing for you and me. Now, I don't know who that word is for. Maybe that word's just for me as I was studying this week, but I'm guessing that word is probably for more than just a few of us. God is more interested in your transformation than your destination. Now, back to the narrative. Paul gets this vision at night, right? This guy from Macedonia saying like, hey, come help us. We need help over there. So he turns to his posse, Timothy and Silas. He's like, all right, boys, finish up your pina coladas. Finish up the, the sandcastle. We, we gotta go on mission, right? Now, Timothy and Silas, just picture them probably working with Paul all this time. They probably just kind of roll their eyes, shrug their shoulders, like, all right, Paul wants to go, let's roll. And so they go into Macedonia and they actually, they stop at a city called Philippi first and they plant a church in this city called Philippi. We actually did a study in the book of Philippians a couple years ago. So you, some of you may remember that. So once they establish that church in the city of Philippi, then they head south and go down into Thessalonica. And again, remember, this wasn't even the plan. 
Paul wanted to go to Asia. Paul wanted to go to Bithynia. He had no plans of going to Thessalonica, and yet here he is. This is where God has him. It's unexpected. And we actually get our account of what happens as Paul and his posse enter this huge bustling city in Acts chapter 17. And so if you have a Bible, you wanna go there, cool. If not, it'll be on the screens for you. This is the account Dr. Luke describes what happens when they get to the city. Now, when they had passed through a couple of cities that I can't pronounce very well, Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. That's the the Old Testament scriptures. Explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and rise from the dead, saying, this Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. Now, here, here's the first detail I just kind of want to press into this morning because I think it would be really easy to miss or just gloss over as you read this. I want you to see that Paul is rolling into this huge city, this daunting task, right, to plant a church among tons of pluralistic people, none of whom are Christians, none of whom have ever, ever even heard the message of Jesus, and he's doing this huge task with a posse of brothers. I want you to see that. He's not alone. In fact, if you study Paul's life and his ministry, Paul is almost always traveling with, working with, preaching with, planting churches with a team of people, which by the way, was the model of Jesus as well, right? Jesus had the 12 disciples. He had a bigger group of disciples and Those are the people that he went and did ministry with. And so as we start a new year, friend, let me just extend this challenge to you on the front end. Please, believer, find your posse. Find your people. Find your spiritual group of people that you can do life with. Listen to me. Do not walk in 2022 alone. Don't do it. Now, many of you are already doing a good job with this. Many of you are already connected with a small group or a Bible study, or maybe you've got kind of just an informal group of a couple of brothers or sisters that are godly people that you meet with for coffee early on Thursday morning or whenever it is. And if that's you, let me just say kudos. Good job. Keep going. Don't abandon that pattern in your life. Press into that in the new year. And for those of you who don't have a spiritual posse like Paul did, let me just encourage you, make that your first New Year's resolution as we begin this year. Do not get out of the month of January until you have that group of people that you can do a spiritual journey with. And here's why, man. You cannot walk in victory in the Christian life alone. It's just not gonna happen. You need a spiritual posse just like Paul had. So Paul and his boys, they, they, they roll into this huge city. It starts off, as we just read in Acts 17, incredibly well. Right? They go to the synagogue. That's what Paul always did. Every new city, he would go into the synagogue. He would open up the Old Testament scriptures, and he would explain to them how, how Jesus is the fulfillment of all those Old Testament messianic prophecies, right? From Genesis 3.15 all the way through the law and judges and prophets that Jesus is the one who fulfilled all those things. And amazingly, Luke tells us that some Jews believed, right? So they're like, yeah, Paul, that sounds good to us. We're gonna follow Jesus with you. And not just Jews, but a ton of Greeks believed the gospel message. They began to follow Jesus. 
And he even says a bunch of the influential women in the city. Go women, right? So they believe the gospel. They begin to follow Jesus. So this is a grand slam mission trip, right? They, this is insane. They just roll into this huge city, this pluralistic city. Nobody's ever heard the gospel. They're only there for about a month, and they've already got this large, growing, brand new church that has just been birthed in one of the most influential cities in the entire world in that day. So I just kind of, I read this and I kind of picture like Paul and Timothy and Silas and they're kind of like behind the scenes, like, yeah, boy. They're like high-fiving each other. Like, man, can you believe what God is doing? Like, this is crazy. We weren't even planning on coming here and look what God is doing through us. This is incredible. And from that, I just want to say this. This will also be on the, the screens for you. The power of God to transform, guys, listen, this is important. The power of God to transform has always been through the gospel by the Holy Spirit. The power of God to transform individual lives and entire cities has always been through the gospel by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if I were to guess, I would just guess one of the reasons that most of us are, are kind of timid in our faith journey, one of the reasons most of us don't share more openly about Christ with our friends or our classmates or our coworkers is because deep down we don't really believe that the gospel still has the power to transform. Or we don't, we don't deep down really believe that the Holy Spirit is still working in people's hearts and lives to draw them to Jesus. And I'm just telling you guys, listen, the same power that transformed Thessalonica in the first century is the same power that's available to us in Asheville in the 21st century. And so these guys are, man, they're pumped up just like we would be. They're excited. They're like, man, we can't believe this. There's this brand new, vibrant, growing church. And just like a few weeks, this is crazy. Things could not be going better. They gotta be throwing parties. It's going awesome. And then we get to verse five. There's always the next chapter, right? Dr. Luke tells us what happens. He says, but the Jews were jealous and taking some wicked man of the rabble, they formed a mob and they set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason. That's kind of the guy that took in Paul and his posse when they came in to plant this church, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down. And oh, that that's what our city and our culture would say about us. These men and these women have turned the world upside down. They've come here also, verse seven, and Jason has received them and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar saying there is another king, Jesus. And the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken the money as a security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. So Paul and his boys, they go from throwing potluck parties and launching new small groups all over the city to inciting a riot really, really quickly, right? So thing, things go from really, really high to really, really low, really, really fast. And these Christians are now getting arrested. They're getting interrogated. In fact, if you continue reading the narrative in, in, um, in Acts, Paul, Silas, and Timothy are actually, they're smuggled out for their own safety out of Thessalonica under the cover of darkness. And so now just put, put yourself in these new believer's shoes, right? Brand new Christians just heard the message of the gospel. They're like, man, we've been waiting on this message our whole lives. This is awesome. There's a, you're telling me there's a God in heaven who loves us so much that he actually came to earth 
so that we could have a relationship with him and we could spend eternity. Like, this is amazing news. They're so excited. They got their spiritual leaders there and then all of a sudden, now they're under heavy persecution and now all their spiritual leaders are gone. Just imagine kind of the, the frustration that they would have experienced in that moment. Now, here's what I want you to see from that. I'm gonna put this on the screens too. This is also important. I think we should all expect resistance when light starts to take ground in the kingdom of darkness. You should expect resistance in your life when you begin to take ground against the spiritual darkness in this world, right? Now, listen, I've experienced in that in my life again and again and again, man. If there's, a, there's an area in my life where I'll submit to Jesus, where maybe I haven't had it fully submitted before, and, and I'm trying to follow Jesus in this new area, and just 100%, something's gonna happen, right? The hot water heater's gonna break, gonna make me wanna cuss and throw things. Like, there's something that's gonna happen to kind of make me want to retreat from that advancement God has called me into, I think that's true for you individually, whether you're like starting a Bible study in your dorm if you're a college student or you're sharing your faith with a classmate at school or you're inviting your coworker to church, whatever it is, I'm just telling you, you should just expect some junk to go down in your life. Like it shouldn't even be a surprise to us, right? We should just expect that that's true. I think that's also true for us corporately together as a church. Listen guys, as we go deeper into our seven big dreams in 2022, as we start to plant more churches in our nation and around the world, as we start investing more financially in city partnerships and global partnerships that are investing in things like poverty alleviation and human sex trafficking and like all these things that are near and dear to God's heart. Listen, I'm just telling you, there's gonna be some pushback. There's gonna be some things that go wrong. It's not gonna be a, a flawless, smooth pathway. And yet in those moments where I think we might be tempted most to pull back, to retreat. I think Paul would say to, the, to us this morning, don't do it. Press on. In the face of adversity, in the face of pressure, don't back down. Don't give up. You press forward into it. So here, listen, guys, here's my pastoral challenge as we step into the new year together. This will also be on the screens for you. I hope that all of you will take this challenge. Take bold risk in 2022 to advance the kingdom of Jesus. So I just wanna challenge you right now, just begin to think about even right now in this moment, what's at least one bold step, one risky step that you could take in your faith journey to advance the kingdom of Jesus. Just begin to, some of you already know, you're, you already know exactly what that is. Others of you, man, you're gonna have to meditate on it. You're gonna have to think about it. You're gonna have to pray about it for a week. I want you to begin to think about that. And maybe, maybe for some of you, maybe you're, you're online and you've been online for the last couple of years because of COVID, whatever it is, maybe for you, that bold step is gonna be to come back to in-person gatherings instead of watching on live stream. It's interesting, I looked at a Gallup poll this week. They do a, a mental health poll at the end of every single year. Uh, this, is, this is fascinating. So from, they measured from 2019, so pre-pandemic until now. So basically the last two years, do you know that every single age group in our society, from Gen Z all the way up to the boomers, has experienced a decline in mental health since 2019? Right? Every single age, nobody's exempt. Every single age category, a de decline in mental health. Um, what, what, you, what do you think about the, uh, the political parties? Do you think anybody's up or you think they're all down? Statistically, Republicans are down. Independents are down. The Democrats are down. Do you know the only group who has better mental health now than in 2019 before the pandemic? Anybody wanna take a guess? The only group, Alabama Crimson Tide football fans. The, the only 
the only grace. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Sacrilegious, shame on me, I'm sorry. No, there is actually one group that has better mental health now than they did before the pandemic. You know who they are? Those who attend church on a weekly basis. Up 2%, the only one out of all the categories. They measure people that make more money, over 100,000, people who make 50,000, people who make $25,000 a year. They're all down. The only group that's up are those who attend church in person on a weekly basis. Listen, guys, I'm just telling you, there's something about the physical gathering of the people of God that cannot be replicated in any other way. So maybe that's the challenge. Maybe that's the bold risk for some of you. For others of you, maybe the bold risk is checking out a small group or maybe you got out of the habit and it's time to re-engage in the habit. So you're like, man, I come to church, but I don't really have a small group of people that know me, that really know what's going on in my life, that can pray for my specific struggles and issues in my life. Maybe for others of you, the, the bold risk for you is gonna to be to, to join a serve team. You're like, man, I'm here, but where am I serving? How am I serving the body of Christ? How am I using the spiritual gifts that God has given me to expand the kingdom and to build up the body of Christ? And so for maybe for you, it's helping out with a preschool ministry or the kids ministry or the student ministry with our middle schoolers and high schoolers or serving coffee or one of a billion different things. Maybe that's the big step for you. For others of you, maybe it's gonna be taking a mission trip with us this year. God willing, our plan is, man, we're, we're reactivating this year, right? We're going, we're getting on airplanes, we're going across the world, we're going across the country. Maybe that's the big step for you. Maybe for others of you, it's investing financially in the mission. Like, man, I'm gonna put my money where my mouth is. I'm saying I believe that this is important. I'm gonna invest in it. I don't know what it is for you, but listen, would you just pray about and ask God and say, God, what is the bold risk that you would have me take in 2022 to advance your kingdom? And so Paul and his posse are doing that. They head south. They're chased out of Thessalonica, right? They can't stay. They eventually land in a, a city called Corinth where Paul spends some time. He plants a church there. There's actually two letters in the Bible that are written to this church. But as Paul is in Corinth, he's just been run out of this town in Thessalonica, man. He's gotta, he's gotta be thinking, man, like I can't stop thinking about these guys, this brand new church, like what happened to them? Right, he can't just pick up his phone and like call somebody and say, what's going on? Or Snapchat his friend in Thessalonica and be like, hey, what's going on in Thessalonica? There's no way for him to know. So he's gotta be sitting there in Corinth thinking like, man, what happened to them? Like, did they survive? Are they, are they all in prison right now? Did they all deny their faith and walk away from Jesus? Like, does a church even exist there? If it does exist, is it healthy? Is it unhealthy? And so what Paul does is he, he actually sends Timothy back to Thessalonica to check on them. Again, he can't send an email, he can't call. So he sends Timothy. And again, Timothy can't just hop in a car and drive two hours north to Thessalonica. This would have been a, a journey that took weeks perhaps even, even months, right? And so Timothy goes, he kind of scopes out, hey, what's going on in Thessalonica? Like, are these believers, are they still meeting? Are they all dead? Are they all in prison? Do they still love Jesus? Did they, did they cower in fear and turn their backs and deny Jesus? And finally, he makes the long, arduous uh, trip back to the city of Corinth. And you kind of can picture Paul, he sees Timothy coming and he's just gotta be like, oh man, come on, tell, tell me, tell me, give me the news, man. Like, what's going on? How, how are they doing? And Finally, Timothy opens his mouth and he's like, Paul, good news, man. Good news, they're standing strong. They're standing strong, man. They, they've got questions, they got some struggles that they need some, some health with, but they didn't fold. 
They're, in fact, they're, they're thriving, man. They're, they're growing. God, God is good, Paul. They're, they're doing great. And you can just kind of picture the apostle Paul just like, yes, yes, thank, thank you, God. They're, they're doing good. They're staying faithful to you. They're following Jesus, right? And this letter that we're about to dive into is Paul's response to that report from Timothy, right? This is the letter that he writes based on that report that he gets from Timothy. So I, I just imagine Paul, after he gets the word from Timothy, man, they didn't fall away. They're still following Jesus. I just imagine the apostle Paul sitting down with pen and paper, maybe a big hot cup of coffee sitting down, hope and excitement welling up in his soul. And he begins to write this group of brand new baby believers. And this letter, as we're gonna see in the next couple months, is broken into two movements. So it's five chapters long. The first three chapters are basically Paul celebrating their faithfulness, right? So he's, he's just encouraging them. He's like, man, I'm so proud of y'all. So proud of y'all. Y'all didn't fold in the face of all this pressure, all this persecution. You stood strong, you're following Jesus. And so he's celebrating their faithfulness for the first three chapters. The last two chapters of the book is a completely different movement and he's challenging them, right? He's challenging them to grow in certain areas of their faith, especially in light of the second coming, the second advent of Jesus, all right? And I think even today as believers in, in the 21st century, don't we need the same exact thing, man? We need to be encouraged and we need to be challenged. We need to be encouraged, we need to be challenged. That's what Paul's doing here and that's exactly what we're gonna get from Paul as we dive into this letter and digest it over the next couple of months. But today, I just want us to dip our toe into the water with one verse, with just one verse. So 1 Thessalonians chapter one, verse one, we'll go deeper next week. And Paul's writing this again to these believers, this brand new church, he's so excited about them and he loves them so much. And he writes them and he says, Paul and Silas, uh, your translation may say uh, Sylvanus there, that's just another name for Silas. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. Now this, this one little greeting is, is absolutely loaded down with meaning, right? You can just almost feel Paul's affection for these people brimming over as he writes to them, right? Now, I, the reality is I could preach a whole nother sermon just on this one verse. I'll spare you from that this morning. I just wanna couple out, point out a couple of things here before we uh, land the plane. One is this, Paul addresses the collective church in the city of Thessalonica here, right? And the Greek word that Paul uses for the church here, if you've been around church world, you probably heard this word before, it's, it's ecclesia. This, this, is, this is the word that he uses to describe the church. Now, it's interesting, that word in the Greek literally means a people who are called out. A people who are called out of one thing and they're called into another thing, into a certain assembly or a gathering of people that have a purpose. And isn't that a beautiful representation of what the church is, right? Aren't we a people that have been called out of the kingdom of darkness and placed into the kingdom of light and been given a brand new purpose and a brand new mission and we see the world through a different lens now and we have different priorities in life. That's exactly what Paul is saying here. He's addressing these people who have been called out of the world into this new way of life, the way of Jesus. And what I want to say this morning from that is, listen, guys, the church matters to God. The church matters to God. And so if we claim to love and follow Jesus, it must matter to us. Listen, guys, for all of its warts and faults, and listen, I know many of it, we could just like get a line coming up here this morning, and we could just take turns telling about the different times where we've been hurt in a church, 
or we've been offended in a church or somebody has wounded us in a church or somebody has abandoned us or betrayed us. And I, listen, I could stand up here and tell those stories myself. But, but here's the thing. She is, listen, guys, the church, she is still the bride of Jesus. And she is still the, the method, the vehicle that he has chosen to take the most beautiful message in the world to the entire world. And I say all of this to say this. This is kind of my, my last point this morning. This will also be on the screens for you. Guys, listen, the church is a really big deal to Jesus. The church is a really big deal to Jesus. And because she's a really big deal to Jesus, she's gotta be a really big deal to us as his disciples. I love the fact that the great church father, Augustine, at times referred to the church as the city of God, right? Or at least one of the most important components of his concept of the city of God. I think as modern believers, we ought to think more, of the, more, more like that about the church, right? What would it be like if instead of saying like, hey, we're going to church tomorrow morning or I'll meet you at church later on this morning. What if we started saying, man, I'm going to the city of God to meet with the people of God and worship the God man, the King Jesus. I'm going to the city of God. I, I love that the representation of what the church is and how Jesus sees his bride. I also love the quote by Charles Spurgeon, the kind of the, the silver tongued English great pastor of the 1800s, one of my spiritual heroes. I've shared this quote before and my goal is to share it at least like 12 times every single year, it's so good. So just get ready, but I'm, here's the first one of 2022. This is what Charles Spurgeon says about the church. This is awesome, this will be on the screens for you. He says this. Give yourself to the church. You that are members of the church have not found it perfect. And I hope that you feel almost glad that you have not. He's going, hey guys, look, if you're looking for the perfect church, one that has no flaws, nobody ever makes a mistake, nobody ever steps on your toes, nobody ever offends you, you're gonna spend your entire life looking for something that does not exist on this side of eternity. He says, man, I hope that, you, I hope that I hope you're almost glad in your heart that you haven't found a perfect church. If I had never joined a church so I found one that was perfect, I would have never joined one at all, Spurgeon says. And the moment I did join it, if I had found one, I should have spoiled it for it would not have been a perfect church after I became a member of it. <laughs> I love Spurgeon's wit. Still, imperfect as it is, and I love this, guys, listen to this. As imperfect as it is, it is the dearest place on earth to us. It's the city of God. It's an outpost of the kingdom of God. It's a taste of heaven on earth. It's Jesus' kingdom and the kingdom of darkness. A light on a hill. Spurgeon goes on, he says, all who have first given themselves to the Lord should as speedily as possible also give themselves to the Lord's people, the church. How else is there to be a church on the earth? If it is right for anyone to refrain from membership in the church, it is right for everyone. And then the testimony of God would be lost to the world. What Charles Spurgeon was saying all those years ago is what I think Paul is saying in 1 Thessalonians. Guys, listen, the church is important. As imperfect as she is, this is, this is the city of God. As Spurgeon said, this is the dearest place on earth to us. And so let me just say, man, if you're here, maybe you're watching online and you, you just would have to admit, man, like, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus. I would say I'm a Christian, but I've kind of lost my passion for the church, the bride of Jesus. I've just, I've just kind of lost my commitment to the church. Let me just say, let 2022 be a year of recommitment to the city of God, to be a year of recommitment to the dearest place on earth to us. Listen, guys, 
The church is Jesus's plan A. Like there's not a plan B and C and D. This is the plan. This is God's plan to reach the world. And so church family, let's press into the body of Christ this year. Let's worship together. Let's pray together. Let's share meals together. Let's live in community together. Let's do mission together. And in so doing, let's paint a picture for the world around us of a coming kingdom and a better king. And as we do that, I think we'll walk in what Paul calls at the end of verse one, we'll walk in the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ in 2022. And isn't that what we all desire as we step into a new year? To walk into the, the grace that Jesus has for us. And then this is what he wants to give us grace, to experience the peace that he offers. Man, the world needs more of that. Right? The, the world needs people of hope and we are the people of hope. So let's walk that out together this year, church family, for our good, for the good of those around us and for the glory of our King. Let's pray and then we're gonna sing. Heavenly Father, as we step onto the precipice of a brand new year, I know there's gotta be some of us that are super excited about it and super hopeful about the new year. And God, if we're being honest, there's probably a lot of us that are a little hesitant. A lot of us that are pretty weary after the last couple of years, like, God, when is this craziness gonna end? What's, what's going on? be real easy for many of us to lose hope in this moment as we stand on the precipice of a brand new year, God. And so as we stand on and kind of peer out into the unknown of 2022 and we don't know what awaits us out there in the vastness of this brand new year, God, I just wanna, I wanna thank you for, for not leaving us as orphans, God, but you've given us your word to, to guide us. You've given us your, your spirit to, to lead us and to convict us and to guide us into truth and to live the life that you designed for us to live. And so God, whatever wherever we're at, whether we're excited about this new year, whether we're apprehensive, whether we're just kind of skeptical, God, I, I just pray that you would enliven in us this excitement that you still sit on the throne. The gates of hell will still not prevail against your church. And that you are gonna come back one day to set all things right and make all things new. And so I pray that as a church, we would press into those promises that we would be a people filled with anticipation and hope for what you're gonna do, even in really hard circumstances, that we would become people of grace and people of hope, even in the middle of chaos, that people around us would look at us and be like, why, why do they have so much hope? Don't they read the news? Don't they watch the news? But we would be able to tell them, look, we have a hope that surpasses all of our circumstances. There's a God who loved me and who loves you. And he came to this earth and he lived a perfect life and he died a brutal death and he rose again to give you abundant life now and forever. And so no matter what happens in this life, we got hope. We got the grace of Jesus and that we would invite people into the city of God that they could touch, taste, smell, and see that God is good, that he's worth giving your life to.
So God, I pray that we'd be a church in 2022 that presses into bold risks. I pray God that you would forgive us for playing it safe, for taking it easy. I pray that this would be the year, God, that we just kind of push all the chips to the middle of the table and we go all in for the sake of the kingdom of God. We just open our hearts and our minds and our lives and our hands and say, God, whatever you want for me is what I'm gonna do. I just wanna be obedient. Whether you call me across the street, around the world, whatever you call me to do, this year is the year I'm just gonna be obedient because I wanna walk in all that you have for me, God. Would you help us to do that? Again, God, for our good, for the good of those around us, for the glory and the fame of Jesus. It's in his name that we ask and we pray these things. Amen. Church, let's stand and let's sing.